Hey there, you're listening to Your Life is Awesome, brought to you by Enjoy Toys, featuring true life stories about sex told by audience members at Smut Slams around the world. Smut Slam is a growing network of dirty storytelling shows founded in 2011 by me, Cameron Moore. We do our best to keep Smut Slam safe, but safe doesn't mean G-rated. Some of these stories are explicit as fuck. If you're not into that, now is a good time to get out. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Hello, friends and freaks, and welcome back to Your Life is Awesome, the podcast from Smut Slam International. Now, there are many of you who will have been to Smut Slams by now, but some of you haven't. We hopefully will fix that over the course of the next few years. We'll get around to your spot in the globe. But for now, let's explain a little bit about what Smut Slam is. We're a community, dirty storytelling, open mic. Audience members drop in the names at the door if they want to tell a story, and then we draw them out one by one over the course of the show. All of the stories recorded and shared on the podcast are, of course, recorded with consent. Um, and, and that's kind of where the stories come from. It's a very sustainably harvested source of smutty, smutty filth. Now, Aside from the filth, I want to kind of give you a sense of what's happening at the slams. Um, it's, it's not a real, uh, comedy environment or aggressive environment. I mean, yeah, we have prizes, but mostly people are just really psyched to share their stories with a very understanding and enthusiastic audience, especially when we're at the outdoor venue here in Berlin. People are just chilling with the fairy lights on, sitting back in their chairs, sipping their beers, and they're up front surrounded by fairy lights and tinsel. We have people from the audience coming up one at a time and sharing their stories. So it's a really chill environment, and hopefully you get a sense of that from the stories that we share on the podcast. The stories that we're sharing in tonight's podcast are from May 2022. That's just earlier this year in the spring, our first outdoor show of the season at Villa Curiosum, our garden spot in, in Berlin. The theme for the episode today is Trip to the Wank Bank. So it's stories about masturbation. Oh yeah. We're going to start as usual with a story from me as the host. Uh, I wanted to uh, share a little bit about how I had to stage an artistic intervention at a sex club in San Francisco when the wankers got a little too close. We followed it up with a story from Emily about her experiences on the Camino de Santiago, which is the long hike along through Spain. And you know, you got, when you got to get it off, you got to get it off. So even in the middle of these journeys, sometimes you just got to take a break. Uh, we go on to a story from Jeremy, who's talking about the differences between his college years and now, and his feelings about his masturbation times. Next up is Diego, who takes us all on a little throwback journey to the time when we didn't always know what browser history was and what your parents might do when they find it out. And finally, we wrap up with a story from Maddie, tells us about how she learned to make sweet, sweet love to all kinds of water. In between, we have 
what we call fuck buckets, which are anonymous questions and confessions that we get from the audience members as well. This is for people who are maybe a little shy or not sure about how to talk at the microphone, but they still want to participate in the slam. So we bring around a bucket to gather up their anonymous contributions. Of course, we incentivize it with a prize at the end of the show. Everyone who contributes a fuck bucket is entered to win something from Enjoy Toys. It's very exciting. Mostly that's why people stay to the end, I'm pretty sure. So uh, I want to uh, just mention that that's what's going on where those kind of questions and confessions happen. It's audience members also getting into the swing of things. That's it for now. I'm going to sit back and let the podcast unfold. I'll see you on the other side. When I first came out of my long-term lesbian relationship, I had no idea. I had no idea what my sexual worth was. And that sounds terrible, but I mean, in the marketplace of, because I wanted, I got out of the relationship because I was interested in like, getting together with a dude with a dick. So it just, it seemed like the right time to get out of that relationship. And I didn't know, I had been so long away from the world of men that I did not know what I was worth, okay? Pity the younger me who, did, who was phrasing things like that, but that's the way it felt to me at the time, all right? And so fortunately, I was going to move out of my flat with my partner to live in a part of San Francisco that had a sex club two and a half blocks away. I'm not saying that was the most accurate meter of my worth, but it was certainly the marketplace as far as like, what, what could I get? What could I be, who could I get with at the power exchange, which at the time was like San Francisco's like number one fucking sex club. And it was ridiculous. It was like, yeah, I don't know if there's anything like that here. It was big. It was like four stories high and half a city block and glory holes everywhere and really shitty pleather couches everywhere. And um, it was a playground. It was a true playground. And I went there three times a week. Three, Because it was just two and a half blocks away. I could just walk there, right? And and they also had like, um, you know, um, ladies hour. Lady, what's it called? Ladies, ladies night, right? ladies night but they like you could get in free women could get in free before 10 and i was so naive about straight world sex clubs that i thought that was a bonus i thought that was really sweet i didn't understand that i was the attraction there that like all of the women were the magnets this was the whole point it was advertising right it was it was lures. It was, we were being cast out there and I didn't understand that. I was so naive. Pity the younger me. All right. So I would go to this club and I was so, I didn't know I dressed up. I didn't know how to dress because I used to be really butch. I'm still really fucking butch. Um, but I used to not know how to wear dresses and not know what dresses went together. And I always wore Doc Martens, which I know is not a thing, but like I wore Doc Martens with my dresses and that was as femi as I could get you know, and I had friends advise me on how to put clothing on that looked femi because I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what girly meant. I didn't know what womanly, womanly, this is all quote marks, everybody, quote marks, okay? I thought I had to look girly and sexy and femi to like get the dudes at this club. So I'd go down there in my, in my chunky heels because it was that decade. Chunky heels, walking down there with chunky heels and ruffle butt panties and whatever other weird shit was pulled out of the costume box. And uh, walk around the floor of the sex club 
And I felt really, at first I felt really powerful. Like I had gravitational pull. Because like I walked in there and like these guys would just start following me. Like a trail behind a comet. You know, and I thought, at fr again, at first, pity the younger me, okay? If I had to publish a story, this would be the title of it. So, I, you know, I would walk around, and these guys would be following me, and they would be wanking off. And I thought that was flattering. <laughs> and I did, I did think it was flattering. I was like, ah, oh, here I am getting my assessment of what I'm worth on the market, not knowing. It was their scattershot, literally, approach to every one vaguely female who walked in there. And so, you know, they would trail behind me and wank off and I'd be like, oh, they're aroused. No, no, they're jacking off and I'm just there, okay? So this continued for about three months and then I realized I kind of woke up to it and, uh, and I was like, oh, this is really entitled. This is really fucking annoying. They're following me. And if I do happen to meet somebody and sit on a couch and start making out with them, they yell at me to move my arm they can't see. <laughs> Who are you, Martin Scorsese? You're not directing this scene. <laughs> right? So they were just, it was just, I started to get really annoyed and pissed off about all of it. And fortunately for the world, when I get pissed off, I don't like retreat. I become an activist <laughs> and an artist. And so what I did in this case, rather than just abandon that sex club and say, fuck it, I cannot do this, I decided to stage an artistic intervention, a performance piece with some friends. We set up in an alcove that had like a bank of 20 TVs all showing staticky porn, different channels at the same time. Already very artsy, right? And this alcove had like a couple of beds covered with that fake leatherette. Ugh. And it was blocked in, as many of the play areas were in this place, with chain link fence. And I got some of my girlfriends to come around, and we had a pajama party. But not like a sexy girls in lingerie throwing pillows at each other pajama party. More like an actual pajamas pajama party. Yeah. And sweatpants. And baggy t-shirts. And some people wore curlers in their hair. And some other people brought, like, face goop masks, you know, that looked like you had trawled it up from the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Wearing this goopy fucking face mask. Some people did manicures and pedicures right there. We brought, you know, our own pillows. We brought bags of Cheetos. And we ignored every single wanker who stopped outside that Changlin fence. Because they did. Because they did. They lived in hope. This is one thing that I would give these guys. They lived in hope. Coming up to the chain link fence. Awkward, right? Not for them. They kept going, but we kept going. Ignoring them, letting them do what they needed to do. They thought something was going to happen. We had our own pajama party and Cheetos fest happening. Eventually, they would wander off not understanding what was going on. Unfortunately, a lot of the guys in that place, in that space, had the memory of a goldfish. So they'd be back around in about five minutes, <laughs> hoping that something would be going on. It was still the same pajama party. So we did that for like, I don't know, we did that for like a couple, like a couple times a month for another three months. Eventually, I got tired of the whole scene and stopped. But I will say, I still think 
that is the best response to that kind of entitlement that I could have come up with rather than yell at them or there's no reason to yell because it's a sex club and everyone wants to get lucky. But I think I felt like they needed to be taught a lesson about where and to whom and at whom to wank. Like sometimes it's just not your scene to wank at. Thanks very much. Sometimes it's just not your scene to wank at. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Amazing. More merch ideas, right? Let's get a couple of fuck buckets done. Oh. <sighs> the other night I orgasmed in my sleep from a dream where a TikTok star kissed me. social media platform has its stars, right? Like there was Instagram influencers and now there's TikTok stars. Wow. Nom, nom, nom. Okay. <laughs> Should I do another one and then we get on with the stories? Yeah, another one. Okay. Oh. I love audience. I love the stuff that you put in the fuck bucket. It's so great. Um, what? Okay, I'm going to... Raise your hand. I'll call on three people. What is the biggest red flag during sex? Biggest red flag during sex. Raise your hand. Biggest red flag during sex. Not looking for comedy responses. Go ahead. You tell them to stop and they don't. Correct. They call you by the wrong name. That's an obvious one. What? They don't have a little sexual health talk before the sex. So you shouldn't be getting into it if you don't have the conversation. You tell them what you like and they go like them. <gasps> you tell them what you like and they go, meh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Foul on the playing field. You're out of here. Correct. Okay. Good. I'm glad we've got some healthy responses here. Let's get our next storyteller up to the microphone. Yeah, so I wanted to tell you the story of um, when I went hiking and walking for a really long time. Um, yeah, I, I did the Camino de Santiago from uh, saint jean pied de Paul. That's the Pyrenees, the French-Spanish border, uh, until Finisterre, the end of the world. So that's a really long walk, like a month and a half. So I had plenty, plenty of time to become really, really horny. Um, and yeah, mostly you kind of, you usually sleep in this albergues with other pilgrims. And so you're sharing a room with like four to 200 people. Uh, so yeah, and I, I kind of, I can't really, I'm not the kind of person that can masturbate real quiet and nothing moves and stuff. I'm more like, ah, it's a uh, so, so, uh, yeah, I was a bit like, where, where do I masturbate? And also, ideally, I kind of want my, I want to lie down and I want my back at a little bit of an angle. And so it's a bit of like, but yeah, I just, after a while, I was so horny, I was like, fuck it, I'll just, pfft, yeah, it doesn't matter so much. This bathroom, maybe. Uh, and so, I was trying out, then, masturbating, standing up, for my first time. 
Whoa. <laughs> and it worked really well. Hmm. But uh, I kind of almost fell over afterwards. So I had to be like for a while. Uh, but that was that was a nice experience. I waited until everyone had left and kind of, yeah. So that was like the first little masturbation adventure on this trip. Then I kept walking and got kind of horny again. So uh, then I thought, okay, well, can I find another place maybe potentially where, where... And then once I shared a room with only four people and everyone left, so then I was like, oh, yes, great. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then right when I had come, someone came into the room. I was like, great timing, thank you. I hope it doesn't, like, totally smell like pussy in here. But, um, yeah, and then, and then, and then, and then more walking. Next time I found this park, so I... There's also something in me hmm, that gets turned on by masturbating or having sex where I shouldn't, obviously. Kind of, hmm. um, so that was definitely a part of it. Yeah, then I went to Burgos. I think it was Burgos. It was a cute little town, a little bit posh, very nice park. Uh, and I found a kind of quiet corner there. Where I was a bit like, maybe someone will come and that. So, and I tend to, I always edge when I masturbate, basically, uh, which is great, uh, but can also turn into this kind of infinite loop. And so it was a bit like yeah, this. Uh, I was trying to lie on my backpack, and it was not the right thing, and the grass was prickly, and maybe someone comes. And but you know, still an adventure. And then. And then I got sick. So you can drink the water basically the, the whole way. You can fill up your water, there's like water fountains. Uh, and then there was one place where you couldn't anymore. The, the water had gotten bad. And I realized afterwards. So, you know, everything for 10 days. Uh, not recommended, not recommended. And yeah, so I was sick for 10 days and I thought I gotten a bit better or like after maybe seven days I thought I'm a bit better I I'm, I should be fine walking again uh, shit myself in the reception oh! uh, so okay okay not good but okay I keep walking a bit and uh, then I asked someone like where could I stay I tried to find find the right place and they said you can stay with nuns go to the nuns I was like, yes, okay, go to the nuns, okay. So, I went to the nuns and got my own room. Oh, my God. Mm. Narrow little bed, very, like, white, simple room, cross on the wall. And I was like, oh, my God, I, 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 you, you shouldn't, you totally shouldn't, so I totally have to. Uh, it was great. And, yeah. So... Those were the adventures of the Camino. Some of them for me. The Camino. Get it! You get it! Oh no. I'm reading one more fuck bucket. Ha 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 ha.
Look, this is one of the few perks of my job, all right? I get to read the fuck buckets before anybody else. So, home office confession. <laughs> Once I used my magic wand during a meeting. I want to know. I'm going to close. Everyone, close your eyes now. Close your eyes. And I want anybody who's jacked off or done anything sexual during a, ho- a meeting on, on Zoom or whatever, raise your hand. Keep your eyes closed. Raise your hand. <laughs> you dirty birds. <laughs> I didn't say I had to keep my eyes closed. Um, that's amazing. Okay. This is a sad story. Aww. With a happy ending. Yay! Uh, that's all I know about this story, the, okay. that joke at the start. Um, so I was 1989, Melbourne University in Australia. I was so fucking horny just all the time. It was just never-ending. And summer in Melbourne and the smell of jasmine flowers and everyone wearing not much and it was um, devastating to my system. I just was supposed to be studying um, science and psychology and very intelligent things and all I could do was wank all day. (laughs) I would be in the big library and studying and distracted and bored and go down to the toilets and downstairs and have a quick wank. Oh, cool. All right, go back upstairs. Like, read half a page. (laughs) Um, And didn't get much done, but had a really lot of fun in in the toilets at Melbourne University. And um, sometimes strange things happen. I remember one time I was in... So I, I probably masturbated in every faculty on the entire campus. I was just like, oh, architecture, oh, great art. Um, and yeah, one time, I mean, I was pretty naive. I was, I, yeah, I was very naive. And um, there was a certain toilet that I didn't know was a cruising toilet. And I was just in the men's area doing my thing, which was wanking. And... Um, someone over the top appeared and watching and I was like hmm I didn't sign up for this okay finish and go um and that that, now I understand this is normal sexual behavior to be um actually take that out no (laughs) sorry I was at Burkhine yesterday and there's a lot of strange things that are happening there also um so the story was, you know, uh, really what this story is about is, is actually a little bit sad and it was a, a, lo- a very shameful part of my life for a long time. Um, so I was very much into uh, sport and gym. I was doing aerobics wow. a lot <laughs> in the leotards. This is the 90s. And um, could, got, was going from the gym to a science lecture and didn't make it. Like, I was walking along and there were lots of hot-looking bodies and I was just so overwhelmed by desire. I was like, fuck, I... This sounds so crazy. I need to wank right now in this... Where I am on the university campus. And, okay, where... Uh, there was a fire hydrant, like a, like a small metal case that held a fire reel and somehow I, like... <laughs> Which is terrible in a way. I mean, it's sort of funny, but it's sort of terrible. The happy bit of the story is, um, like, way too much arousal and desire and passion and horniness for 20s, 30s, 40s. Um, I'm 50 now. And... (laughs) 
then in sort of mid-40s discovered this cool thing called sexological bodywork and I studied to be a sexological body worker, which means doing sex education, hence the self-pleasure classes, and found a community of people who were really accepting that I was a really sexual being and um, celebrated that and we would get together in groups and have self-pleasure and practice and geek out on fun things you can do with your anatomy and just have a lot of sex with ourselves. And so transformation is now that that very horny 18-year-old that was really shamed of having so much uh, desire and so much passion and so much sex has turned into this pervert (laughs) that lives in this fucking sex-positive, kink-positive, freaky city. Thank you, Burkhine, last night. And (laughs) my life is awesome. And um, so now that, that, that alchemy of taking something that was very shameful and quite painful to be so judgmental of myself masturbating in a fire hydrant um, (laughs) has now become a celebration and a lot of pride to be a person that loves having sex with myself. Yeah. I know that was meant to be the sad part of the story, but like, I just can't, uh, this is a cultural misunderstanding because when you talk about a fire hydrant, I'm thinking of something quite small and they're like, I'm suddenly in a science fiction story (laughs) where I, I need to hide. So I get really small and I climb into the little thing that dogs piss on is what I'm experiencing. And that's not the story. I understand it now. Thank you for talking about the box. What is the weirdest thing you masturbated to? Okay, here's a free educational moment. I highly recommend that you not use the word weird when you're asking someone what they do. What's the weird thing that you've done? Because people get like weird about it. People get like, I don't know, is that weird? Um, So honestly, because I used to, okay, so I used to work as a phone sex operator. Believe it or not, this voice can do other things other than yell. Um, So I used to, oh yeah. So I used to do, no, I worked as a phone sex operator for for nearly eight years. Um, Yeah, I stuck to it. Uh, um, No, I didn't make a lot of money. Um, But people would ask me all the time. I think this is where the pet peeve comes from because people would say, ah, what's the weirdest thing that someone ever wanted to do with you? And the whole point of phone sex was that I had to be non-judgmental and just do their thing and treat it like it wasn't not, not only was it not weird, but it was exactly the thing that I wanted to do in that moment harder than they wanted it all right so i think over time with cultivating the attitude for business purposes i've kind of absorbed it and now it's just like weird is totally subjective i encourage you to go with like what's the thing that was like the most absurd that felt like the most absurd to you or what's the thing that was like out of nowhere um uh stuff like that so think about other ways of saying because weird tends to get a little bit it gets a little like I said, weird. Um, so what's the strangest, what's the strange, what's the most obscure obscure thing that I've ever masturbated to? And I think they mean material, like wank material. I think that's what they're talking about, right? I would say it's Heinlein. Robert Heinlein. Stranger in a strange land. When I was 11 and my mom bought me a, a, a bag of books from the paperback store 
No, it was like one of those like paper bag full of books. And it was a deal. It was like $5 for like all you could fit in a big grocery bag. And she knew I was a voracious reader and she just bought them. She's like, here you go. Um, my family was, I was raised Mormon. She shouldn't have done that. Um, so, uh, and uh, Heinlein uh, popped up in there. Heinlein is a fucking lech, by the way. He's terrible. But, uh, but like he had a lot of explicit like sex with Martians in it. So, um, but not like weird Martian-y Martians, but like a Martian who had like adapted to human form, but didn't pick up the stuff about like monogamy. So he's just fucking everywhere to learn. He was just fucking everybody to learn about the human soul. It's very wholesome, but also Heinlein, come on. Okay. Heinlein. Yeah. And, and then after that, Clan of the Cave Bear. <laughs> Valley of the Horses. Now that's what I'm talking about. Hey. Hello, everyone. Uh, so, in case you don't know me, uh, you, if you do know me, you already know that I work for a porn company right now. Um, behind the camera, not in front, uh, yet. But, uh, so, I know a lot about, like, how people masturbate. Like, in fact, we, we spend a lot of time talking about it. There are articles that exist now about the most wankable parts of videos, the, the, the things that really get people off, and, like, every search term is, is categorized on Pornhub and all these other places. It's a very, like, data-driven way that, that, you know, people masturbate these days. It didn't always used to be that way, as I'm sure many of you recall. And so I'm just going to tell a little story about my early days. Um, so I didn't learn... My first erection didn't come in a pool, but uh, it was a similar age. I was on the playground uh, climbing something, as I always do, and it's kind of shimmying up a pole. And I just kind of sh happened to shimmy in the right way, where I was like, ooh, what is this? Uh, and it was very kind of strange things, like, I don't know what's going on, but I like it. So I kind of experimented a little bit more, and I was like, okay, this is something that I'm really enjoying. And so, of course, eventually, like, I, I just took to it all the time. So whenever I could, like, and again... Uh, yeah, Heinlein was a big formative part of that for me as well. So this is something we need to talk about is that, you know, the, the most perfect kiss was actually the thing I really like. It was very romantic. I don't know. But Heinlein, it was very sexy stuff in Stranger in a Strange Land. And so, yeah, I had uh, a very active imagination and I used it. But then, you know, the Internet started coming in. And I remember at a certain point. Uh, being with my best friend around like fifth grade, like going on Ask Jeeves, not Google, because it was far before that, but Ask Jeeves being like, what is a B-gina with a B, not a V? Uh, and so we, we sort of like started to get into this early stage like porn consumption. So going to naked.com, nude.com, and like clicking through the JPEGs, the kind of, you know, internet king from the Simpsons, like very slow loading stuff that was just like, it would take forever but like and I'd always do it like because we, we only had one family computer at this time right so and it was the the, the, the dial up is like <laughs> so it was very loud so I would have to do it like when my parents were at work or something and I happened to come home early so not late at night because it was far too loud for that uh, but there was, it was in my mom's study and so like uh, I would you know find the stuff and then do my business and, and then you know run upstairs and and but the thing is, is at that point in time, I didn't know anything about, like, browser history. So, at, you know, at a certain point, like, I came in to do my business. Like, my mom was just, like, sitting there being like, 
We need to have a talk. Uh, and then my dad was there too, but he was just kind of smiling because he was like, whatever. But yeah, but my mom was very, we need to talk about objectification. And it's good that you're having these healthy urges, but you know, you can't be like, you know, the people are more than just bodies. And I'm like, yes, that's absolutely true. But like, I still want those bodies. Um, but yeah, so then like the browser's history was clean, and at that point I was like, I'm never using this again. Fuck that. Spoiler alert, I did. Uh, but but then I got more creative, and then I was also like channeling artistic urges, and so I took these kind of I would take the the printer paper and draw my own like POV porn scenes. So it would be like you know a, a buxom woman sitting like in the passenger seat of a car with like a belt like my belt like whipped off because of course I, I wasn't wearing belts then. But I in my imagination I would. Or I had a really big crush on this 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 girl. She was a cellist, and so I kind of drew a very like crude drawing of her, but like lying in a cello case, which didn't make any sense. Like anatomically, but in my mind it did, and and so I just kept on like drawing these, and I actually got pretty good at them. Like they were like you know cross hatching and shading and such like that. Uh, but but then I I like I came home one day, or I came to my room, and went went to my stuff, and like they were gone. See, my mom had cleaned my room and had found these things and and she's a very progressive and lovely mother, but like she's like mm. but 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 she never she never actually challenged me on that one. She just I just kind of knew that they like she had found it and so like I just kind of like looked to the side. Uh and then from then on, I uh I then we moved to cable and this is just kind of the last little vignette I suppose cuz I'm running out of time. But I don't know if you're familiar with uh Cinemax in the states. It was like we we got basic cable which you couldn't get everything but there was it got pay for channel that you uh you had they late at night they would show like very soft core kind of porn like with you know again like breast but we didn't we didn't actually pay for it but if you like tweaked the dial like the axial cable just right you could like through this weird like kind of like colored like wavy lines you could occasionally see a nipple or like ooh a, a butt crack and uh yeah you have to be creative and so that, that that's basically the 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 short history of my early days of uh wanking so thank you I just also do want to plug uh, Lustery, uh, which is the company I work for. It is a ethical kind of amateur porn company. And for someone who asked about like Berlin-based self thing, we're doing a whole masturbation May like challenge, which is uh, like you can go on our social media, Lustery POV, and it's different ways to like mix up your masturbation life. So check it out. Anyway, thank you. With a blender? No, just kidding. Um, so a, a little bit of background uh, about my event production life. Um, I, uh, in, I lived in Montreal for some time from like 2012 to 2016. And one of the events I produced in Montreal was a masturbate-a-thon where basically people could masturbate or watch. They couldn't interact. So it was like, it was very much like a masturbation-like installation it was a walkthrough sort of thing and uh and it was great it was so great that even now nine years later i'm still getting occasional messages from people in montreal saying when's the next master Beta-thon coming back we haven't done one there since 2013 i don't know what they're talking about um it was very popular
Oh, no. I just had a pube hair stuck in my throat for four days. It was so irritating that I almost went to the ER to have it removed. That is irritating. God. Thanks for sharing. Okay. Okay. Does it count? I think I know what you're talking about here. Does it count to have solo sex in an airplane bathroom? They mean, does it count for the Mile High Club? Oh, on the count of three. Uh, no, no. Raise your hand if you think it counts as Mile High Club. Raise your hand. Drop it. Raise your hand if you think it, it does not count. Okay, I make the rules in this joint, so it doesn't count. It will count if you ask someplace else, but uh, I think that's just not, that's not quite risky enough. Um, more <laughs> more, uh, one more and then we go on. <laughs> I'm about to try a dildo with a heating option. <laughs> and they're like, yay. <laughs> heating option. <laughs> what an amazing time to live in. <laughs> The world is going to hell, but we get heating option dildos. That's amazing. Oh my goodness. Okay, what's the most sophisticated uh, element that you've ever seen in a sex toy? Most sophisticated component or element of a sex toy? Come on. Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Nice. What else? Connected with your playlist. There are some vibes, right? There's some like we vibe and some other ones that you can hook up to your like. Exactly, exactly. What else? What else? Any other techno advances? Gives you complete uh, data overview of your orgasm. Gives you complete data overview. Which one? Which one is it? This is that one that, that I almost tried out, right? Perhaps. Gives you a data overview. In case you want a more clinical, uh, in case you need to turn it in to your top who wants a report on your masturbation behaviors. Export it and send it. As PowerPoint slides? As pie charts? As pie charts? It's two different data formats. Do you want to mention the name or are you just going to tease people? It's not, out, it's not available yet, right? It's not available yet, no. You too could export your masturbation data some point soon. Wow. So, first of all, I want to say there's no villains in this story, so um, there might be some conservative parents, but they're not villains. <laughs> so, um, I've been masturbating for as long as I can remember, literally. I, I don't know when that started. Thinking about the things that I used and when they were available to me, it would have to be at least 23 years, at least. So, um, in my first childhood home, uh, we didn't have a pool. But then we installed a pool, and um, my brother and I were very excited for all the fun times we would have in the pool. Um, but actually, there were a lot more fun times than I was really expecting. So when we installed this pool, somehow I discovered that the little jet yes. thing on the side <laughs> feels really nice when you put your body against it. Um, 
And I did that like every time we went in the pool. And as a child, like we lived in that house until I was about six, so I would I would always have been supervised in that pool. So there was always an adult around and probably other kids as well. Um, but yeah, whenever I could, I would press myself against the thing and it felt nicer and nicer and nicer and nicer and then it stopped feeling nice and I would swim away and then I'd come back and do it all again. <laughs> and then we moved house and our next house didn't have a pool for about two years. I know. Sad two years. And then we built another pool in the new house. Um, yeah. And it also, it actually had two jet thingies. Oh, your life is awesome. Yeah, it was a large pool. And I had to, I had to learn like which angles were better for each jet. Luckily, they both had like a step under where the jet thing was. Um, so luckily, because the deep end, I wouldn't have been able to sand. Um, and I often had these grazes on the sides of my knees because the pool was made of like, um, what do you call it? Jip, jip rock? Is it jip rock? Like that pebbly kind of... No, that's not jip rock. Anyway, I had like a pebbly kind of surface. So if my knees were rubbing against the edge, like they would graze. So I often had these grazes on the inside of my knees. <laughs> and then um, at some point, my dad said to me, he obviously saw me doing it one day and said to me, Mad, don't do that. Like, come away, come away. And I was like, why, why? It feels nice. And he was like, you just shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. And I obviously realized that there was something taboo about it. Because I said to him, like, I'm just, it just tickles my tummy a little bit. Like, I didn't say it tickles down here a little bit. So I knew that something was not quite right. So I learnt not to do it when Dad was watching. <laughs> or when anyone else was watching. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so when I was in high school, I guess, then we didn't, like, my brother and I were home alone after school. And I knew that there were certain times where I could go in the pool and press myself against the jet. And the jet was also set to a timer, so it was like, okay, between 4pm and 4.30, I could go in, get, have my good times, and then Dad would come home at 5 or whatever it was, and I'd have to get out. Um, yeah, and, and of course, like, uh, once I yeah, became familiar with the, the jet thing that felt really good, I would take any opportunity I could to enjoy myself with other jets in, in life. <laughs> so, like, any kind of, like, public pool or spa where I could kind of get away with doing it subtly... I would try and do that um, also in showers and bathtubs, depending on the shape and form. Um, we also had a, yeah, we had a bath that was like the perfect sort of shape at some point, and then we renovated and changed the bath, and I was like, Mom, Dad, like, you should have consulted me before you chose the bathtub. <laughs> so it seems to work really well when the bath, when the tap for the bath is like in the middle, um, because I can put myself like this, and just like tilt the right angle and there's lots of lots of options to change the pressure and the temperature and yeah I just got so good at it my record time was about 11 seconds you wouldn't believe it yeah so when I really wanted to get the job done quick I could do it um or drag it out um removable shower heads also really good you can get really flexible sometimes the shower head like it might be um flexible but the pressure's not so good so sometimes you can just like cover half of the you know, the little holes and, like, adjust the pressure. Yeah. There's a lot to it, and I've really worked it out. Um, anyway, so then I grew up. I moved out. Um, oh, no, before I moved out, actually, I remember once my mum actually came into the bathroom while I was in the bath, and I, like, dropped quickly and just, like, looked like I was relaxing. <laughs> and to this day, I'm not really sure if she's got what I was doing, but um, definitely mum and dad were probably both aware. Anyway, then I was going to move out, and... Um, yeah, I moved into a, a, a shared house, and the shared house, the shower wasn't so great. Didn't have a pool, but luckily they had a bath, 
But the thing was, the bath had the tap in the wrong position. It's at the end of the bath. So to really get under it and get close, like I had to be like really like with my legs like up against the wall, trying to hold myself in the right position. And I was so determined to make it work because I thought if it's not going to work in this bath and the shower and there's no pool, like what am I going to do? <laughs> anyway, so one day I was trying, I was trying, I was trying and like, oh, all my muscles were aching. I was getting really close, but I just, I couldn't get there. I slipped and I like slid back, <laughs> hit my head in the bottom of the bath. And for a split second, I thought like, oh my God, what if my skull is cracked and there's blood everywhere and they have to call my parents and say, your daughter's had an accident in a bath. What are my parents going to think? <laughs> Luckily, there was no blood. But I did have a big bruise on my knee because I kind of whacked my knee on the way down on the tap. And next time I went home to visit my parents, um, my mum noticed this big bruise on my knee. And she said, what happened? And I said, well, um, I, was, I was trying to reach something and I just couldn't quite get there. And I slipped and I just couldn't reach it. And she sort of looked at me and I think... There was just something on her face and on my face. I guess she just knew not to ask any more questions. <laughs> I, I love that there was material starting to emerge for a workshop on like making sweet, sweet love to water is like what that would be. Block off some of the, 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 the holes there in the shower head. Make sure you can hook your legs over the side of the bathtub sort of thing. Oh my goodness. I recently masturbated in a room where four other people were present as well. It wasn't an orgy or anything, just all of us discovering what they enjoy on their own. Still, it was kind of hot that there were other people around. Guess I really just like this fear of potentially getting caught. I would say there's no catching if you're inviting people to be in the room with you. That's like, it's like, oh, can I steal this pen from you? It's not stealing if you ask. I'm not getting caught if you've all signed up for the same workshop. Yeah. <laughs> Humping stuff has always been my favorite way to masturbate. But I've always been kind of afraid to admit that. Patriarchy had me convinced that penetration was the only proper way to get off if you have a vulva and vagina. I even tried to stop doing it and practice liking penetration during masturbation. It just made me stop masturbating at all. But I'm happy to say I realized eventually that masturbation is about what I like. So I'm gladly humping away nowadays. <laughs> Wow, that was a great start to our outdoor season. And I'm really excited to bring that, that, that whole episode to you today. Uh, thanks, thanks to Other Nature, who was our prize sponsor for that, that particular session. And uh, I want to just mention, earlier I said, uh, you know, this, this is a podcast from Smut Slam International. And it's really true. I'm not just, I'm not putting it on. I'm not making it look to be something bigger than it is. We have uh, events happening and plans in place for all over the world. I want to tell you quickly what's going on in the next month. 
Uh, coming up in November, we have a slam in Boston on November 1st, one in Leipzig, Germany on November 8th. There is one in Berlin, November 21st at our new venue. That's super exciting. Crack Belmer in Winnipeg. They're coming back. They just launched back in October and they did so amazing is what I hear. So we're hoping to get some recordings from Winnipeg from this next one in November 24th. And then in Copenhagen, we are beginning our relaunching kind of pattern, our relaunch procedure, starting out with a small intimate show there on November 29th. And of course, we are developing smut slams all over the world. So as these become scheduled, they, you know, I won't mention the city names as much anymore, but I want to let you know what's in what's in the future for the next few months. We're looking at Reykjavik, Cardiff, Barcelona, Amsterdam, Frankfurt, Mannheim, Heidelberg, Hamburg, holy crap, Helsinki, Tallinn, Victoria, Vancouver, and Ottawa. Yes, we are going for all of it. There are hosts around the world who have been mentored by me to to keep to the Smut Slam code of conduct and to make sure all the shows feel as safe and as sexy as we can make it. So if you want to find out more about the network and about the work that we do, you can go to www.smutslam.com. Now, if you like me, if you want to hear about my other shows, you can um, definitely check out my website. Let me tell you briefly about two coming up. One is the relaunch of Mindfuck, which is a pub quiz with all sex trivia that I co-host with Diego Wedgwood here in Berlin. That's coming up at Vine Salon, November 16th. And then I'm super excited about this show, Truth or Dare, with Molina Lee Williams-Haas coming up on Wednesday, November 23rd. I'm very excited. Uh, She's coming all the way from New York City to do a storytelling and Yeah, a storytelling and interview show, but we're also opening ourselves up to truth or dare questions from the audience and we'll be wearing pajamas. So I don't see how we can go wrong. That's going to be amazing. November 23rd, truth or dare. If you want to know more about my stuff, you can go to CameronMoore.com. This episode is supported by Lustry.com. Diego mentioned them after his story. I just wanted to say a little bit more about this company. Lustry is a sex-celebrating, creator-centered platform for real couples to share their love and lust on camera. Real couples means real emotions and real sex, which of course is something that Smut Slam totally supports. All content on Lustry is filmed by real life couples and edited afterwards by Lustry's editing and post-production team. So you know it's going to be really high quality footage there. 100% of the content is ethically produced with the consent of all parties. That's super sweet. And the couples are paid fairly, not based on clicks. Yes to that. They are seeking out a wide range of diversity, all types of couples, body types and sexualities, and new content is uploaded just about every day in a whole range of categories, including kink, outdoors, you name it, they probably have it over there at Lustry. You can support ethical porn made with love. Go check them out at lustry.com slash Y-L-I-A. Do use that link to sign up with because we will get a little kickback. Thanks, Lustry. That is all for now, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, your life is awesome. This has been Your Life is Awesome. A story podcast from Smutslam with Cameron Moore. Produced by me, Mark Seestedt. Music by Sticky Biscuits. A huge thank you to all storytellers featured. All stories are being shared with permission. Thanks also to Enjoy Toys, makers of deluxe stainless steel instruments of pleasure, for continually supporting Smutslam 
Find them at enjoytoys.com. If you want to help us make more of these, plus get access to longer episodes and other bonus material, please join our Patreon at patreon.com. Your life is awesome. If that's not in the cards right now, you can also help by rating and reviewing this show. Look for that option in your podcast app. We might read out some reviews on a future episode. Got a question for Cameron? Write or send a voice recording to smutslampodcast at gmail.com. This too might be featured on the podcast. And if you want to find out more about Smutslam and the code of conduct we use in the shows, go to smutslam.com. All links mentioned can be found in the podcast info. Thanks for listening.